Welcome to the road to growth, success of an entrepreneur. We've raised the bar. Learn firsthand from successful business owners and create your own path to success. I'm going to show you how great I am. It's time to hit the road to growth with team lead of the Enriquez Group, Realtor Vinny. Hi, you road to growth listeners. Uh, today we have Joseph Patrick Fair. So we got an interesting one. I'll, I'll, I mean, the most time we have... A lot of entrepreneurs that have kind of started their own journey. Sometimes they have family uh, that were in the entrepreneur field. Joseph, you are three generations of entrepreneurs where your your family was in real estate, opening up stores, and you've kind of taken on the mantle of being an author and kind of venturing into that platform. Kind of, uh, thank you for being here, Joseph. Appreciate it. Yeah, uh, thank you, Vinny, for having me on. Uh, yeah, third generation entrepreneur. It's always fun on this podcast is kind of coming across new individuals here in their journeys. Uh, so you were in, uh, you're a cop, a firefighter, um, and you dive a little bit deeper into the, your current book, right? To Die a, a Hero? Yeah, yeah, yeah. To Die a Hero is my current book. It is a fiction novel based on some of my experiences. And uh, yeah, I had the... Uh, I had the luxury of uh, being born with a learning disability called dyslexia, which caused me to struggle a little bit in school, learning how to read and spell. But it also gave me a, a creative part on my uh, creative side to see opportunity and help other people discover opportunity. And uh, the idea of the book had been there for a number of years. And then when uh, left the uh, police department and retired, I had time to write the book and the book has been uh, a real a big discovery in my life a lot of a lot of fun things have happened from the book well i, I recently had a, another guest on the, the the podcast and they were talking about the idea of how similarities between uh being in the the police force um and then also being an entrepreneur where you're kind of constantly moving constantly aware of your surroundings i mean growing up in an entrepreneur world do you see any correlations to uh, being in the police force or being in the, the the firefighter, anything like that, was there a correlation for yourself? Yeah, yeah, there, there is uh, there is definitely a correlation, and they're uh, they both uh, require you to really think about things deeply and uh, come up with a strategy and and plotting. Uh, there's somebody that would be good at uh, police work would also be good at having a side hustle and making money. A uh, I got a buddy uh, to work with on the fire department years ago, and uh, he really was good at uh, mowing lawns. So started his own lawn care company and uh, developed that. I helped him a little on and off, helping him find customers. So uh, both both fields involve uh, some deep thought, making a good plan, and networking with people to get the right person in the right position and, and create a uh, synergistic uh, relationship between a number of people to make a business grow. So walk us, walk us through your, your journey, like growing up in a, a family of entrepreneurs, what did that consist of? What was that like? Uh, my father uh, started out in uh, real estate. He had uh, about uh, five uh, storefronts, six apartments. As a kid, uh, I would be in junior high or something. I'd get on Saturday morning, he'd say, a tenant's moving out. We need to go in, clean the storefront, paint it, prep it, and get it ready for the next one. I got to see firsthand how really complicated all that stuff is to hit all the specs and make sure 
you know, there's not a spot in the window, the sign is put up. Often he would have a, uh, he'd have a renter and they'd say, give me a pick a package deal. I want you to hire somebody to make a sign for me. Uh, I want to have a karate shop. I want uh, this equipment put in and uh, this certain carpet. And my dad would network people and put me to work, uh, driving the pickup truck and going to get the lumber and all that. We would uh, we'd set up a storefront for one of his customers and often they stay 10 or more years. So I, I learned a lot about business just uh, as a teenage kid. Did did you ever uh, follow your your father's footprints or footpath and uh, jump into real estate? Well, uh, I did help him with projects here and there, but my true passion in life was to be a firefighter. We have a thing here in Michigan called public safety where we cross train and do both jobs. Uh, I, at one point, I did actually work for him full time in the real estate business. I was not passionate about real estate. I did see that it is a fun thing and it's a big challenge. Uh, but most of the time I just helped part-time. He would call me on the weekend with a project. He would explain the scope of the project. We would get the right people together, materials, and then try to solve the problem. But uh, yeah, I was connected to the family business, but not full-time. So at what age did you join the fire department? I was uh, about 28 years old. I had, uh, I uh, went out to the community college and I looked at a number of different things. Uh, I really wanted to be a firefighter. It wasn't until a friend of mine joined the fire department and we sat down and talked and then he gave me that nudge and he said, you'd be good at this. Uh, so uh, followed through with my training at, at the uh, community college and for my uh, local fire department, which uh, made friends on the police department and eventually progressed to the police department to the fire department. What so so twenty eight you you started in the fire department. What do you think was holding you back from starting at a, a younger age? I I did not really think that I had the uh, the strength to uh, to do it, and I went through a year of soul searching. I went and talked to my mother. Uh, I went to the gym. I lifted a bunch of weights. I exercised. Uh, I got in the community, and I. Uh, I became friends with uh, one guy who was a firefighter, really good. And then I hung around with three or four on weekends and just talked to him day. It, it seated. And I said, yeah, I do really have the proper personality for this. And at that point, they said, get right down to City Hall and fill out an application and don't think twice. And I followed their instructions. So it was it not having the confidence, I guess. I mean, that's what it kind of sounds like. The confidence really I wasn't. I, I didn't have the confidence and I believe, I believe the, the fact of the matter was uh, going up on ladders and certain things about going in the building on fire, putting on the mask and the turnout gear, uh, it overwhelmed me. And then once I got firsthand and saw them, I came down to the firehouse, I practiced a little bit they timed me to put the turnout gear and the mask on. I had a good time compared to theirs. And then I realized I'm most, I was up for it. I mean, I think that's with, with a lot of us. It's not having the game plan, right? A lot of things is the unknown is it was scares us for starting a book from joining the police department, bringing into real estate. I mean, the unknown is what scares a lot of us. The, the unknown 
can often be bigger in your mind than it is in reality. And then you get around other people and it just adjusts that perspective. And then all of a sudden you realize I am up for this thing that I didn't think I was up for. And I would suggest anybody listening or watching this podcast, uh, find a mentor in a field if you're a little afraid of it and test the water and then proceed forward. So you, you're in the fire department. How long were you in the fire department before you switched over to uh, a police force? About seven, about seven years. Uh, I had, uh, um, I had heard about a little bit of investigation after meth fire and I had connected with a few people just indirectly talking to that, you know, talking about that and learning about that. And then at one point I met a good friend and he said, uh, uh, I think you're a good firefighter, but I think you'd be a better fit for the police department. So, uh, uh, he twisted my arm for about six months. He brought me along on some wrongs and, uh, eventually he said, uh, you know, give it a try. You can always change your mind. Just give it a try, go to the police academy, get your training and give it a try. And, uh, it was his, uh, his coaching that got me to the police department. All right. And then you're in the police department. How long were you in the police department for? I had about uh, 15 years uh, there at the police department. Uh, it was uh, it was interesting. I so I had a lot of interesting calls. Uh, I realized part of the way through that uh, uh, I had material for a book, and uh, I did get burned out a few times on the police department, but I did stick through it uh, to uh, to finish and retire. So uh, it was. Um, I'm glad I had the experience I did. There were days that I loved it. There were days that dragged a little bit. What do you, when you say you got burnt out, what, what happened there? Uh, I think, uh, I think what happens is you, you're young, you want some excitement, you go out, you have the experience. Uh, there is a thing called uh, adrenal, adrenaline fatigue probably is the best word. Uh, if you're a little bit of an adrenaline junkie, then you go out, you have the experiences. And then at one point, uh, you get older and maybe your adrenaline isn't there. And then you wake up one day and figure out, uh, I'm aging out. My, I've hit my peak, maybe like an athlete, I've hit my peak and I'm on, I'm on the backside of that thing. And, uh, it was a learning opportunity. It was all natural. It, I think it happens to most people, but when I had hit that point, I started focusing more on the idea of retiring and writing a book opposed to continuing having uh, adventures. Well, well, you said that you had the, the fatigue a couple times, correct? I got to the point with the fatigue where I had to take a leave of absence. And I got to the point where I was at the doctor and the doctor says, you have an intestinal issue going on and I'm advising you to uh, work less or step away. And that was probably when my heart switched toward writing was when I figured out my health really was up for it. Okay. So you, so you felt the fatigue a little bit and then over time you went to the doctors and they kind of gave they you the advice. Blood pressure is a little off and, and uh, it's, it's about time. You've probably, uh, you've probably aged out of something that's pretty stressful and it's time to transition to another career. And I'd listened to that and over a four or five year period, I transitioned out. 
going uh, back to the fire fire I mean fire department and then as a cop what were the similarities what were different from maybe the community the people perception can you kind of walk us through that yeah, that's that's a really good question uh that is something that i've spent a lot of time thinking about uh there is some overlap in community service we have a thing called public safety here in the west michigan where somebody gets cross trained and they spend some time on the fire department stationed at a fire station and other time on road patrol probably at the core of somebody who can do public safety, they enjoy both. Uh, they they want to do some police work and some fire work. Amongst a person who's truly a firefighter, they just, uh, they want to be at the firehouse. They want to take care of the fire equipment. They want to run the EMS calls. Uh, they want to do the training with the ladders and the rope and all that. So there is an intersecting point but uh, true firefighter is there more for driving the big red truck, going to calls and seeing things. And then the police officers really in it more for going out on road patrol, uh, answering calls for service, making arrests, uh, taking people to court. Uh, they're both really interesting jobs. And if you can do both, you have a, a really dynamic personality. I mean, what about the perception of from the outside outside looking in? I mean, you have for the fire department, you have what the the calendar, right? Where you have like with the shirts off. I mean, that's kind of the idea, at least for the fire department, right? Yeah. With the um, the uh, police police force, there's there's a lot of negativity. I think that in this current climate. So I mean, even the yeah. perception seems a little bit off in the current climate. Did did you feel yeah. that working in both professions? I, I did. I did. Uh, I did feel that it, it's much easier uh, to be a firefighter than a police officer. And as of late, uh, there has been a lot of controversy with being a police officer. I would, I would stay away from the controversy, but I would say that for the most part, um, when I went out and did it myself, I was I was doing all the right things for the right reasons. And most police officers are going out every day doing the right things for the right reasons. And a few people get into it that just weren't meant for it. They don't have the right personality. They don't really have the right disposition. They're a little like a fish out of water. And then uh, you get public relations issues from that. If let's say we're, you're, you're talking to maybe one of the listeners or, or a kid or whoever it might be, and they're thinking about, they want to give back to the community and they're debating on the idea of becoming a firefighter or a cop. I mean, what would you, what kind of questions would you ask to see what's going to be a better fit for them? I would probably ask a teenage kid if they are um, up for the tediousness of writing a report, um, working with the court, showing up to a court, testifying in court, sitting in, being cross-examined by a lawyer. Uh, there's an element there that some people are good at then there's an element some people are not good at uh the firefighting thing is probably easier if you can stomach uh going to a car accident seeing blood seeing people uh with uh, a lot of injuries so so one person's got the stomach for injuries somebody else might have the stomach for going to court uh if if i i wouldn't steer a person either way i'd say try both and just see which one uh, works best for you. 
Okay. So, well, going back to your journey, so you went to the doctors, the doctor's telling you, you might want to find another path. You start thinking about writing a book. Was it how long of an idea of writing the book before you actually started putting the steps in place to put the book together? Yeah. Uh, it was about a four year journey. I had, uh, I wrote an outline. I had a series of short stories. I had journaled during the time that I was firefighter and police officer. I had a bunch of ideas. I uh, went on to LinkedIn and a network with a few people and I found a great editor and proofreader and she looked through my materials and said, I'm an expert at writing. You do have a book here. There's just a lot of work to polish it and get it right. Uh, the day that I sat down and talked to her, the book idea went from a pipe dream to a possibility. And then there was three more steps of getting the book finished, uh, getting the uh, cover made and getting to the publisher. But tr truly the synergy was the moment that I found the right uh, proofreader and editor. You, so it it's four years. And then once you find her or find them, what were the next steps that they kind of walked you through to put the book together? Um, she said, uh, we can do this all remotely. I'm going to uh, take what I have with your book and I'm going to put it in a Google Doc. And then we're going to do a shared Google Doc. And I want you to write in a chapter or two. Then I go through the chapter and then I'll, I'll put notes in there to explain where parts need to be expanded or contracted. Uh, she kind of remotely uh instructed me to get the best out of the story there was five hundred thousand words in the original document they got edited down to sixty-two thousand words so there was a lot of her logging in and me logging in and uh cutting and pasting and tuning things up wow so a, a lot of cutting so you basically five hundred you said five, yeah five hundred thousand words to sixty-two thousand yeah yeah so yeah about a tenth of it went out and if anybody's a writer they probably realize that uh you cut it out but you don't throw it away you put it in another google document and then when you write a second book there's probably things that are really good ideas for a second book or a third book they just they're not streamlined into this storyline and it's part of the creative process that you get some some good ideas and you get some poor ideas and they come in basically a soup and you've got to cook the soup to get the best, uh, the best storyline. If you could describe the book, how would you describe the book? Like if you, so you're on an elevator, someone, and someone's saying, Hey, yeah. you're saying I'm writing a book. How would you describe the book? Uh, the, the elevator pitch for the book is that, uh, if you had a small town cop and he had a little bit of, uh, MacGyver in him, a little bit of, uh, 18, and uh, he was a problem solver, and he was uh, he was doing he was doing police work for the right reason to try to solve people's problems. That is at the core of the book: a hero's journey, solving problems, and uh, community service. I, I think, I mean, just for for myself, right? I mean, we, we come across a lot of things in our, our daily routine, our, our business. We go, "Oh, this would be a good story. This would be a good story to tell," right? And you're the way we remember it compared to how the other person remembers and actually what happens are three different things. I mean, how do you 
balance that out of what you put there. You don't want to make someone look bad. You don't want to make yourself put too high on a pedestal. I mean, how does that kind of work out? How does that, that mindset work out when you're putting a book together? You make a very valid point. And I, my number one goal with the book was not to make anybody look bad and to not do anything uh, to create controversy. That was my number one goal. I chose to uh, write a fiction novel, change all the names, and anonymize everything uh, to, to, to avoid conflicts of interest with my friends. And there was a process where I looked through and I tried to find a balance between the story, uh, the human interest, and having a story arc, the story arc has to work or the book falls apart. I had to balance all three of those things to get a good book. Uh, my editor and proofreader basically knew she had worked on a book similar. She knew how to fine tune it and uh, make the book so that it was a good story, uh, but generic enough to avoid contra- uh, conflicts of interest. Are, do any of your friends feel like they've been uh, depicted in the book or have read it going, hey, Joseph, I, is that me over there? Is that the person you're talking about? Has that <laughs> happened to you already? <laughs> There's been a little bit of that, but more uh, when you're uh, more, more of when you're going to write the second book, I want you to write me in and I want you to say X, Y, and Z, but not A, B, and C. So there has been a few people who are interested in being in the second book and having uh, their ability to edit that book. So uh, I've had a lot of interesting uh, conversations with people and uh, there probably will be a second book and what's in the second book is unknown. And it has to go past a final process with the publisher, the editor and all that. So I type in what I can and what gets edited down gets edited down. Do you, do you worry at all? I mean, if like I, I, about- I, I've had, I've had concerns, I've, I've had concerns. And uh, there has been times where I wrote something and didn't realize that there was a shadow uh, in there, because when you write fiction, often, uh, it's as strange as it sounds, often if you're watching a TV show like Breaking Bad and you're writing a book, you'll go back and look at your writing and say that appears to be a shadow similarity to some episode of Breaking Bad. And if you've got a very good editor, they will point out you need to take that out of the book because that will cause you a conflict. So. Uh, yes, I am concerned about it, and I've done everything I could to write the book and have it uh, generic. You hear about the idea of like writer's block. Do you, did that ever come to you? Was there ever a point where you said, I don't want to do the book, I want to go back to being a, a cop? Anything like that happen, or was it yeah, full steam ahead? I've had a, I've had a couple uh, episodes of writer's block. Uh, I've come up with a method where uh, I go to the park and I walk. Sometimes I will go walk at the park uh, four or five miles, uh, two days in a row, try to clear the whole idea of the book out of my head and start over, come back, look at it fresh. Uh, Writer's block is a real thing. I've had a little bit of a struggle with it. Uh, I've got a method to get past it. Um, It's working at this point right now for me. Do you, do you think, was there ever a point where you were going to just scrap the book altogether or? 
I had two. I had two points during the four years. I had two points at the four years where I put it on the shelf and I said, uh, "The timing's not right. I need to put the put the idea on the shelf, think about it, and then uh, mold the idea, then take it back off the shelf, work on it a little more." I got burned out. Put the idea back on the shelf. But the minute that I found the right person to collaborate with, the, then the creative juices flew, and uh, I stayed completely focused on the book from that point on. I mean, I know in sports, I've never been a cop, never been a firefighter, but I know in sports or, I mean, other activities where you leave that and you kind of miss the camaraderie of the, the people around you, the people you're with, was there a point where you wanted to become a, a cop again because you missed the people working with the people being with people or that that not happen no no totally um you work with people and you bond with them and the experience is so powerful and so interesting that it is like sports or something you feel you're out on the street every day they're protecting you you're protecting them uh when that when that ends that camaraderie ends uh you do go through a grieving process you may stay connected and talk to people on the phone and tell stories. You may uh, talk about old times that you had. Uh, it has been a little bit of a struggle for me since I left that. Um, I still have a few younger friends that are um, doing police work and firework, and I will miss it and call them up on the phone and say, what happened today? And they will give me a short little brief discussion of a, a call they went on. And it, it helps me get past it. Now, I mean, going back to the book, so you, you put the book together. Now, getting the word about the book out there, I mean, that has to be fairly daunting. It seems it's easier and easier to put together a book because there's access to so many people. And there's so much access to getting the word out there. Yet, how do you separate yourself uh, when you're selling the book? How do you separate yourself from people getting their attention and purchasing the book? Yeah, yeah, that's a great question. Um, putting together a book and writing a book is is the first half of the project. It's 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 fifty percent of what you have to do. The second half of the book is the book marketing, and uh, I have been fortunate that I network with people who are other authors. They give me ideas. Uh, I hired a net, um, a marketing company to help me with the marketing on the book. I've uh, done a lot of postings on uh, social media and whatnot. There is a niche to uh, Facebook ads and Amazon ads, and you have to look at the analytics on them and figure out which uh, ads gain traction, at which genre you're in, which ads gain traction. And then you have to double down on the number of ads that are working and cut back on the ads that are not. Um, I'm not an expert at book marketing, but I've got somebody working for me who is, and I kind of just take creative ideas, give it to them, and then we implement them. When, so you hired someone or hired some marketing companies to do the ads, I'm guessing, or did you do any of the ads yourself through Amazon and, and Facebook? I, I tried a few ads myself. They worked okay. They worked okay. Uh, I went on to, uh, to, uh, uh, a site hired a, uh, a book marketer. She, she did a good job. Uh, recently networked with Seth Green at uh, uh, Domination Marketing in New York. Uh, Seth has got the uh, 
Sharkpreneur podcast. He, he's got a lot of things cooking. Uh, when I met him and we talked, he has uh, he's he's groomed me a little bit. Phone calls, Zoom calls, making suggestions of what's worked with his book, um, who I should network with. So it is kind of a collaboration. You got to network with other authors. You got to share ideas. You got to experiment and just measure your result. So how much how much of the um, the marketing do you take on? Because you hire people, right? In this day age, you hire I, someone for marketing, right? But you kind of want to know. Them. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, I, I hire people, and I'm honest enough that uh, it's not my strong suit. So when I have a uh, an issue, I try to find an expert, then I try to hire them, then I try to self-teach, you know, teach myself a little bit about it so that I know how to measure it and all. But uh, marketing is tough. I, I'll be the first one to say, and there is a, there's an element of it is creativity, and there's also a measurement thing, and you gotta, you gotta have an intersecting point there. Um, I, the book is right now just starting with a new marketing program. It's done okay. It's going to do much better with the next marketing program. Like anything in book, in, in anything in business, I think you're. You're constantly fine-tuning it. You're you're pivoting a little bit one way or pivoting another way to try uh, something new. What What are some things you learn in putting this book together and I guess selling this book that you're going to do differently, do the same, do better when you put out the next book? Yeah, that's great. That is a great question. I spent way too much time uh, thinking about all the little details opposed to just getting right to the right to the uh the keyboard and typing uh if you have a project like a book and you network with somebody who's an editor proofreader a marketer a screenplay writer what you got to do is you got to listen to all three four of them and you got to consider all their ideas you got to kind of put it into a little mesh and then you got to write the book uh, based on the collaboration of, of everybody's ideas. Looking back at, at your life, I mean, from being a, um, a firefighter, from actually being a kid and helping your dad to a firefighter, to a cop, to, to an author now. I mean, if you can look back maybe at that, that 20 year old, that 18 year old person that was helping his father in the, the stores, do you think there's any piece of advice that you would provide to him? Uh, looking back now. Yeah, yeah no, that I, I do. Uh, it does uh, it does behoove a person when they're young to uh, maybe decide to live life with passion, not listen to the naysayers. I spent a little bit too much time. What a person can do in life is mostly about being responsible, taking action, and networking with people. I had a thought that it was mostly luck that creates uh, success, but it's mostly hard work. Hard work, measuring your success, holding yourself accountable to standards. Uh, that's what I would say to the 20 year old. Go out, try something, have a big dream, measure the result and pivot to the proper uh, direction to, to go to the next project. And, and talking about the next project, if we were talking, let's say in five years from now, what would Joseph be doing right now? What would your brand be doing right now? Uh, I would be coming out with a second book, uh, developing a screenplay for TV, 
or movie and uh, probably starting a coaching business, helping other writers. Uh, new writers are always coming in and maybe they have great ideas, but they need a coach to motivate them and keep them engaged and help them find a, an editor and proofreader. That's probably what I'll be doing in the next five years or so. I mean, talking about the, the coaching business and helping other people out, what's the best way if someone's listening right now and they go, you know what, Joseph and my journey is very similar. I want to I mean, pick his brain. What's the best way of people connecting with you? Yeah, the best way to find me uh, is on LinkedIn. If you send me a friend request on LinkedIn and then uh, direct message me, I, I do get a lot of contact from a lot of people on LinkedIn and on Facebook. I try to get back to everybody within a week or two. But if somebody uh, is looking for help, I believe in helping them. And if they uh, send me a friend request, Joseph Fair on LinkedIn, uh, I will uh, I'll reach out to him and help him as much as I can. Well, well, thank you. Thank you, Joseph, for being here. Uh, any last words you want to provide for listeners, people, people watching, people listening to the audio? Anything you want to say? Yeah, I, I love your podcast. Uh, you have some really interesting people on here. It's been a pleasure to come on. And uh, if you ever want me to come back or uh, to any other podcast you have, uh, feel free to contact me. I'll be right back to the podcast with you. All right. Sounds good. Well, well thank you. Uh, thank you, Joseph, for, for being here. Thank you for all you listeners listening to this. I mean, I know I took a lot of stuff away from, from Joseph right there. I mean, it's sometimes we hold ourselves down and not allowing our full potential to hit. And sometimes it takes basically a friend, a family member, some guidance to to get you there. So thank you, Joseph, for being there. Because I know there's a lot of people that were kind of possibly in your situation or or possibly still there when they were younger. I didn't think they can do it. And look at look at what you've accomplished. I mean, thank yes, you so much. I totally agree with what you're saying. And uh, yes, uh, live your dream. If anybody's listening, live your dream and chase it and network with people to make it happen. Appreciate it. Everyone, please subscribe. Please share. Go get Joseph books, his book. It's in the show notes. Uh, Thank you again, guys. Have a great one. Thank you for listening to The Road to Growth, Success of an Entrepreneur. Please like, subscribe, and stay connected. Visit www.TheEnriquezGroup.com. Yeah, I created a website. Hope to see you again next week. The Enriquez Group, signing off.